Chapter Eighteen. Wiccan lumbered out through the closing gate, on the heels of the rearmost guard. Bracing himself against the raging wind outside, he fixed his eye on the equally lumbering figure before him. You'll go out with the pre-dawn patrol. Keep no more than a pace or two behind. Tread where they do, not an inch to either side. We've had new snow and massive slides are building up. The trail, as you know, is gone. The gear caves are clear for the next hour or so. There's a food pack back of the helmet shelves. It should last a day or two. Remember your promise. Good speed. Promise? Despite Wiccan's assurances, Ethac now held him to a blood oath. The care likely had been his mother, the captain had admitted, though he couldn't be sure. But whoever she was, she belonged to your folk. If you found them and let out how she'd perished here, that folk would come to storm the crig. Don't worry, sir. From this day forth I'll die before I told about the mountain. You'll take a blood oath on it. That had pulled him up. Did Ethac not trust him after all? If you broke a blood oath, your life was forfeit. Ah, I can see you thinking, children. Why would Wiccan care one way or another when he was leaving the mountain? Well, I could say that he believed that somehow, sooner or later, the broken oath would be avenged. The truth was, though, that Wiccan could never break a simple promise, let alone a blood oath, and Ethac knew it. Taking the oath was Ethac's way of stressing a promise's importance. Yes, sir. Ethac had taken out his knife. Give me your hand. Wiccan had thrust out his hand, winced as Ethac scored a thin red line across his palm. The captain had then inflicted a light wound on his own hand, held it up. At Ethac's gesture, Wiccan put his palm to the captain's, and their blood mingled trickling down their arms. Ethac took out a kerchief and bound Wiccan's hand. I shall go now. Stay on my heels, because that other grill out there comes down directly behind me. Soon as you're ready, stand by the gate. Watch for the patrol and remember all I just said. Ethac looked about to say more, 
Then, abruptly, he spun on his heels and made off down the passage past. Wickham stumbled, caught himself, ramming his poles into the new piled snow. Luckily, the patrol found it rough going, too. Time and again they stopped as one of them slipped and scrambled back upright, picking up fallen gear, brushing off wadded flakes. After leaving the brig, Wickham had sped up to retrieve his old pack. In the gear cave, he'd emptied its contents into the new one, rolled it up, and dropped it into the cleaning bin. Now no trace of him was left behind. Nothing to show that he had ever been there. Wiccan's thought shifted. The cure. His mother. She must have a name. It occurred then that he, Wiccan, would have one too, given to him by his folk. Gom knew it. Gom knew both names, and would tell him what they were, would tell him everything now. The first ledge loomed. The crew slid down one by one, left the rope in place, ready to come up again. Wiccan waited until the last one cleared it, then slid quickly after. The very last time he'd travel that slope. Wiccan looked back up through the dark. His whole life left behind. He thought of the Hicksad, still sleeping at that hour. Would Tannic miss him? No one else would, except perhaps for Ethac. Before their parting at the outer grill, Ethac had paused, looking back to where he'd stood invisible. If find your father. Remember me. Such a strange look Ethac had had just then. He dropped down the second ledge, then the third. Light loomed through dull grey fog. Wiccan struggled on, his gaze fixed on the rear guard's back, but only half aware. Had Gom taken the cure to the lake house? Wherever the wizard was, the forest would steer him there. Then his new life would begin. Excitement washed through. 
At last, he would learn the truth. Who he was, where he came from, and about his parents. I can't say who I think your care might be until I've let certain other people know. Wiccan skidded to a halt. What if Gom refused to tell him? What if Gom planned to go tell them himself before fetching him down from the mountain? Sweat broke out all over inside Wiccan's suit. The very worst that could happen up in that cold. He stumbled on. The patrol lost to the fog. Didn't matter. He had to slow. The fork was coming up at any time. He must not miss it. Gong would be with the Kier, for he could hardly go off and leave her alone. But what when Wiccan showed up? Would Gong see fit to leave Wiccan on watch while he ran off to break the news? That notion left Wiccan shaking. He, he must be the one, and Gong must let him. What if Gong didn't agree? Wiccan's face set. Maybe it were wiser not to let Gong see him. Not to let Gong know he was down. He'd find out where to go, somehow. His folk came from the south. Gom had said so himself. And didn't that underground river flow northward? He and his mother had been carried by its currents, and not too far, as Evac had argued. He knew where South lay. Hadn't Ethac shown him when they went out hunting? If he had to, he'd simply set off South and trust to luck. But first, he picked up pace. He had to see his mother. If you find your father, remember me. Assuming his father to be long dead, Wiccan had thought of him from time to time, as he'd thought about his mother, wondering how like to each he was, which of them had given him his singular gifts. Strange now to think him still alive. Wiccan tried to picture how his father would be at their meeting, not locked in sleep like the Kier all these years. He would have aged. Of course, he still could be dead, fallen to the troll, as the Quigmoran had claimed. But Wiccan was almost sure now that he wasn't. Hadn't Ethac said so, said that save for him, 
His mother had been totally alone. Where had she been going thus? And with him, a babe in arms. One way or another, Wigan told himself, his heart quickening, he'd soon know. Before him, the track curved towards the right. There, to his left, the smaller one trailed off into the mist. One last look he took up the slope behind him, then headed down towards the Nunderpass. Gom paced the bubble in the early light. Around and around the cot on which Liana lay. Pale as ever she was, and just as unmoving. The transformation spell had reversed perfectly. The tiny bird shape dissolving, Liana appearing unmarred in the middle of the cot. Outside, frost lightly tipped the autumn grasses. The drying leaves rustled in the wind. Inside the bubble, Leona was protected. No wind blew there. The air was warm and mild as on a summer's day. Within that space, she seemed to have adjusted well to the change from Snorbia's thin and frigid air to the dense humidity of the forest. But try as he may, Gom had not been able to wake her. He'd tried oils and incantations, and vapours as prescribed by his mother for waking folk from trance. But whatever ailed Liana went deeper than anything he'd learned so far. Somewhere in Hargus' compendia, there had to be a way to lift Liana from that hole. Was she not the greatest wizard in all Aln? Maybe, he thought uneasily, he didn't want to find it. He couldn't shake off the notion that merely waking her was only part of it. In fact, it might well kill her. This was Yulkinta magic, and likely only the Yulkinta could safely restore her safely to the waking state. For days he'd sought to reach Farewell and Vala Alamar. Except for that once he'd glimpsed Vala in a tent, he'd had no luck at all. But still he kept trying. The way he planned it, once they arrived at the forest edge, 
he'd deliver Leona into their hands, then retrieve Wiccan from his prison. He'd much have preferred to do things the other way around, but he could not, would not, leave Leona all alone. It was not the most elegant of plans, admittedly, but it would have to do. Tom pulled up short. What was he doing? Wasting time. Hunkering down against the cot's side, Rom crossed his legs, closed his eyes, and stared into the grey-flecked dark behind his eyes, seeking Vala. In the dim dawn grey, Farewell rolled over. Time to rise and set off on the last leg of their journey. But that was not what had woken him. The tent flap was pulled back. A shape slid into the space, mist swirling all about her. Farewell. Farewell came up, pushing off his covers, setting his feet to the floor. Fully dressed they lay each night, in that dangerous, uncertain place, ready for quick flight. What is it? Vala tightened her shawl about her. Gone. Farewell scrambled to his feet, and together... They hurried back to Vala's tent. There Gom waited, just inside. At least it looked like Gom. Yet in the dimness it seemed to Farewell that something about him was not quite right. He raised his hand in greeting. Gom, it's been long. Farewell reached to clap his hand on Gom's shoulder. His hand passed through it, and in its path Gom's image wavered, then reformed as the sky's reflection in a puddle when you children stir it up with tossing pebbles. Farewell drew his knife. Who? What are you? I'm me. I've had a time finding you. Where are you exactly? Vala spoke up. Where? Hold! Farewell raised his knife, eyes still fixed on Gom. Farewell! Vala pushed the knife away. This is Gom, just as before. This is the wild, remember? How can we be sure? As I recall, Gom retorted. Those are much like the first words you ever spoke to me. Beware of chance strangers, you said, or something close. It didn't do me any good, though, for Thrulvar was too quick. Farewell let go Vala's arm, putting away his knife, and dragged you in front of my brother by the 
scruff of your neck. He folded his arms. What is it, friend? First, where are you? Near that spot you just mentioned. Oh, that's good. How close are you to the river? The one that flowed south from the Dunderfoss. We crossed this morning. Why? Don't. Just follow it north with all speed. I'll meet you at the forest's edge. Vala and Fowl exchanged glances. Why, Fowl said, we've ridden hard to reach Isle of Cantalin on a certain date, Om, Vala explained. We'd not be late without good reason. Oh, this is good reason, trust me. Vala's hand went to her throat. Is it Hager? Gom's image wavered. He looked away as to someone beyond their sight. I'm, I'm losing you, so I'll be plain. My lady Liana. Liana! Thirwall and Vala cried out together. Is here and in urgent need. We can see her too. I mean, Gom's image faded, came back some. He's all right. Come with all speed. Three days. Must stop at sundown, though. Vargas, uh... He vanished. From outside came sounds of people stirring and moving among the tents. But the two your kinter stood oblivious, staring at the space where Gom had been.